Welcome, friends. Yes, I am back to another episode of the Renegade Detroit Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Burgess, professional real estate investor, real estate listing agent with Keller Williams, the Dealey Group, Urban Farmer, and Skeptic. What is Renegade Detroit Investors? RDI is a local real estate investment and business group that meets monthly. We're currently meeting at Shields on the first Tuesday of every month. No July meeting, just as a reminder, just in case uh, this is going to be coming out, but no July meeting. And this group's about networking and doing deals. This ain't your grandma's Rhea, folks. No sales from the front. No smell of Ben Gay stale coffee and disappointment. You know exactly what I'm talking about. RDI is also this podcast where I sit down with successful people in real estate and business, and we have conversations that I hope you enjoy. Um, I also do occasionally read books and stuff like that. If you're ever interested in attending any of the local meetings, go to renegadedetroit.com. By the way, brand new website. Go check it out, renegadedetroit.com. There are thousands of free hours of podcasts and YouTube videos and hundreds of blogs. You can search it looking for something about wholesale or landlording. We got everybody there. If you want to go to local meetings, do go to meetup.com forward slash renegade Detroit investors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit investment club. Legal disclaimer. Don't blame me, right? You guys have been watching the news, fucking crybabies. In no way, shape or form should anything that I or my guests say be taken as legal and or investment advice. We highly recommend that before you make any investment decision or decisions, you contact a lawyer and or other licensed professionals. Grow up, be an adult, don't sue us. All right, time for the Renegade Joint Investors Show Quote of the Week, where I pick a quote that sets the tone for the podcast and hopefully your week. And Mr. Lipple picked it. Young enough to know I can, old enough to know I shouldn't, stupid enough to do it anyway. And that's from the internet. Young enough to know I can old enough to know I shouldn't, and stupid enough to do it anyway. And let me introduce you to my guest today, Mr. Jeff Lipple. We all know Lipple. Uh, he started investing at the age of 14 in the stock market. In 2008, he started his career as a licensed financial advisor. Oh, Jesus, Jeff. Good time, you know. Yeah, 2009, bought a foreclosure, his first home for $25,000. In 2011, bought his first rental in Kalamazoo. Through a friend he met, uh, what, through boxing? Now yeah. on HGTV? Okay. And then in June 2015, he came to his first Renegade Detroit Investor meeting with Vicky Love. I remember that one. We were down in Corktown back then, yep. right? Yeah. Boy, that place was a dump, wasn't it? <laughs> Funny thing is, I don't think I mentioned it is Joe Delia was the guy that uh, I had originally spoke with and said, you need to start going to RDI meetings. So, Dude, it is a small world, isn't it? Is, it? Yeah. Good Lord. Anyway, that's where he met me, Steve Lando, Josh Sterling, Scott Wilcox, and a bunch of other savages too. Um, he got promoted into an office position. He started listening every day to the RDI and the Just Start Real Estate podcast, which by the way, that's another good podcast you guys should go check out. That's Mike Simmons. Go check it out. In October 2015, he bought his first flip. November 2015, attended RDI Wholesaling Series, asked, how do I partner uh, with people to do deals? And then in uh, February 2016, he sat down and had dinner with Mike Simmons. He's the one who just start real estate and began to partner with ROI. It's return on investment. You guys know those savages. I call them Mike Squared. Everybody gets those emails, right? Then April 2016, he did his first wholesale deal. And then May 2016, you're free. You left your nine to five for real estate full time. 
Last two years, he's done over 40 deals, partnered with over 20 renegades. Probably the coolest part, by the way, and it should be the renegades, but this will tell you where my mind's at. Bought a fishing charter business and a resort. If that's not baller, I don't know what is. And it's actually a working business, by the way. It's not just for fun. He's made tens of thousands of dollars for fellow renegades as a wholesaler. Uh, he believes in building strong business relationships and adding massive value to everybody. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Awesome to be here. Yeah, that was weird. So if everybody doesn't know, I have my guest right up there, um, their own bio as I read it. So I wasn't wasn't me bragging about myself. I swear to God, Jeff wrote this thing, sent it to me, bail me out here. Yeah, definitely. No, it's really strange. Um, I think it's funny when you're new to real estate investing or the group as a whole, uh, you probably don't realize how many people look up to you or other podcast guests and you say, wow, these are people that are doing what I want to do in the area that I want to. That's what was so cool about Just Start Real Estate and RDI. It's like, these are guys in Metro Detroit that are making it happen and talking to other people that are doing the same thing. I need to get in touch with these people. And um, so it's just kind of cool that it's come full circle. And the main part of my success has just come from hanging out with other Renegade Detroit investors, being at the meetings and trying to implement what I hear from you or your podcast guests. I mean, just crazy coincidence today. I just left a property in Warren that I'm wholesaling, had five people there making offers. And you shoot me an email and say that we got a offer on the flip in Waterford that I just finished and it's above asking. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm a licensed agent, but I use Jeremy as my listing agent. And it's just one of those things where I think it's important to focus on your strengths and then just partner with whoever's the best at where you need to fill in those gaps. You know, with you being the retail listings, it's, there's so many resources that we have within our group and we have a really strong group that make a lot of money together. Uh, so I think that networking and building relationships is just huge if you want to succeed. Man, I couldn't agree more. It took me so long to learn to stop doing the shit I suck at and just get people who are like that ego part of me forever just didn't want to let go. Right. It was like 2012 or 13 before I finally shot that guy and killed him dead. You know, <laughs> yeah. like you don't get to ruin my life anymore by pretending to be good at things you're not, you know? Yeah. It's definitely easier said than done. It's, it's like one of those things as you're building processes for your business, it's like, oh, it only, it's only going to take me 10 minutes and I don't want to build that process or make that how-to video because that's going to take me 30 minutes. We'll take the 30 minutes and be done with that process forever instead of doing 10 minutes a day for the rest of your life. But like I said, a lot of those things are easier said than done. Dude, I still struggle with it, but I do a lot better than mm -hmm. I used to. So we got VAs on the Delia group and boy, that took a long time before I could trust them, but they're fantastic. It was probably just me. Yeah, I'm just letting go is so hard. You're like, no, don't screw it up for me. Yeah, I have a VA that I... Is full time and I pay him for 40 hours a week, but I always forget get to give him 40 hours of work. <laughs> so it's just one of those things that's like, I have this resource, I'm paying for this resource, but I'm still just, you know, I'm, uh, whatever the quote was, you know, it's, yeah, it's just being, uh, knowing what sh you should do as opposed to actually doing is sometimes just one of those things where you'll get to it eventually. And then all of a sudden, three months go by and you're saying, okay, time to hand it off. Good, better, best. I'm telling my wife that all the time and she's continually disappointed in me. I'm like, hey, baby, good, better, best. <laughs> At least I'm better now, right? I'm working towards best. I swear to God, honey. Well, let's go back. So you started investing in the stock market when you were 14? Yeah. I used to how, think well, how does that happen? Because I remember when I was 14 and 
I couldn't do anything besides sports and girls. Like right. the mind was poisoned and that's all I saw. I was not thinking about the stock market. Yeah, I was lucky. Uh, my mom had this little thing that sparked some of it, which didn't necessarily have to do anything with investing, but just as we're young and starting to do little odd jobs, trying to get us to realize the importance of savings. And she did this thing with me for a couple of years where she said, if you can save up a hundred dollars, I'll match it. And I'm just like a free hundred dollars. Like I should do that. And then she incentivized. Right. And then, uh, one of my best friends, his dad, um, he was always investing for a long time and, and didn't necessarily have a college degree or high paying job, but did well. And just starting to be curious and ask questions about investing and how it all works. And so you're telling me if I just put my money into this thing, into this account, that one day it'll be worth a million dollars versus if I put it into a coffee can under my mattress, into my piggy bank, you know, it was just kind of that, not really knowing what that meant, but just being curious and pursuing it because you're telling me I can do this and it turns into a million dollars without me actually having to work. So it's not changing time for money. It's just making the right decision with the money that you have. Um, so I thought that used to be impressive. And then Carson McGuire came on here and I think he started when he was 12 years old. So God, yeah, that, I think yeah. we just have these, you know, a lot of us have these similar personalities where it's just the curiosity to pursue something and then actually taking the steps. Sometimes you want to learn everything before you make that big move. And a lot of people are scared to pull the trigger, but I think a lot of people within our group are that do well, just take the small steps consistently every day that add up to big results. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to call Carson a kid. He is not a kid, but he is a very smart young man who makes me look like a kid. And I'm like twice as old as him. So yeah, yeah, that's that's starting it right. So obviously they planted a seed in your head mm-hmm. because you go from okay, I'm going to invest in the stock market, and then you actually go to college, right, and yeah. you become a licensed financial advisor, right. So. Walk me through how you go from stocks to fine. I'm going to be a financial advisor. Right. Um, So I think the funny thing is you kind of have these underlying things within your personality where you're going to arrive at a point eventually, no matter what, but certain things that you do or people that you meet along the way kind of hurry that up where I probably would have arrived at the renegade Detroit investor meetings or, you know, Tom's meetings at Steelhouse Tavern, but because my best friend, Tony, who you sold his house for top dollar in that neighborhood, he went to school with Joe Delia in Rochester, and we were trying to get more involved in real estate. And he said, this Joe guy's involved in real estate, and Joe tells me to go to Renegade Detroit. It's like one of those things. It's like I think just my mom wasn't necessarily setting me on a path to be some great investor. It was just more of like she's trying to help me out, which sparked some thing within me that uh, helped me recognize it or realize it a little bit earlier. I think that's why it's so important, just the networking and things like that, because you can learn how to do things the hard way over the next 30 years, or you can take people's 30 years or five years or 10 years of experience and just get you to where you're heading that much sooner. Um, so it's kind of funny because within when I was in college, I was taking real estate courses to, geared towards investing, and I was taking stuff in stock market. And really as a student, I was always pretty good at what I was interested in, but terrible at what I wasn't interested in just because I was stubborn or whatever the case may no, be. No, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. It's, I'm it's not like, that interested. I'm not going to pay attention. Yeah. So, you know, late homework assignments and all that stuff all the time. But if it was something that I was interested in, like business or real estate, then I would do great in it. So it wasn't like I didn't, it was more of like, uh, 
you know, my poor parents would always have to hear at the uh, student conferences <laughs> or whatever, just like, if only he would apply himself, but I was only interested in applying myself to what I was interested in. And it was almost like a selfish thing pursuing my finance degree because it just goes back to that young kid that was trying to figure out how you put your money into certain things and it makes it worth a lot more. I just wanted to have my thumb on the pulse of the market and understand investing and understanding business and how to make a lot of money. And I thought, well, what better way than to either become a real estate investor somehow or to be a financial advisor because then my job is just going to be sitting down with people all day and talking to them about how to make money. And I'll know all that stuff because that's what I will be uh, an expert in. And, and that's one of my favorite things to do right now today is if I could choose to be doing anything, it would just be having lunch with other investors. I try to do that as much as possible. So when it came down to graduation and trying to actually decide the job uh, path I was going to take, it was more that I was recruited by Edward Jones. And I was just like, oh, here's a position. And they're telling me I'll make over a hundred grand no problem out of the gate. And I don't really know how to have a job as a real estate investor. I don't have a, there's not like necessarily a company recruiting me saying, here's how you can be a professional real estate investor. Um, and before I really understood real estate investing too well, I was just like, well, once I have a great job where I'm making a ton of money, then I'll have that money to invest into real estate. So that was the plan that was like sitting back there like this is now but i'm going to work towards it somehow in the future and this is going to help me right yeah i'm i'm always uh i try to you know going back to school and not doing the things that i wasn't interested in i'm always trying to work smarter than harder so it's just kind of like you know what can i do that it will get me closer to wherever i'm trying to go yeah you picked an interesting time to start though you entered the market in 2008 was it already crashing when you entered or did it come like months later like wolf of uh, Wall Street? it was if you know i don't remember the exact dates on everything right now but it it kind of felt like it was all happening at the exact same time you know you're going through your training so whether it's time to buy a house sell a house or invest that's today is always the best day to do that for whatever reason you know that person's telling you so it's it's kind of like, well, the market's crashing. This is the best time to buy. This is the best time for people to, to review their portfolios. You know, if everything's just coasting along, why would they talk to you as an advisor or make any changes? Or why would they fire their current financial advisor and go with you? I guess it was a good opportunity from that point of view then, right? Right. So that was like a great boot camp for me, not only just learning that business, but the sales side of things. I mean, part of their process and training is door knocking. So Harder to tell now with my big scraggly beard, but you know, <laughs> as a Don't say twenty-three like year old or whatever, kind of baby-faced kid going to talk to adults that have kids that are older than me and saying, "Hey, I know it's two thousand eight, the Great Recession, probably the biggest you know financial crisis in most of our lifetimes, but do you want me to? Do you want to trust me with your life savings? You know." So it's kind of like it was it was a tough position to be in, just knocking, you know, cold knocking like that. But it was awesome boot camp. You know, you look back at different things in your life and it all leads to to uh, success in one way or another because it's either something that went well and you're happy it did and you know that it worked well or it didn't go well and you learned from it or you won't make that mistake again, um, that type of thing. So the funny thing about that is my very first client I ever got as a financial advisor that trusted me with his investments was a real estate investor. And it's crazy because I just remembered that coming over here today and it'd be funny if he happens to... Uh, listen to this episode, but I'd love to know what he's doing now. But it was basically, he just appreciated my hustle and sincerity that he gave me a shot. So that's pretty cool. It's one of those things where, like I said, if you're just doing little things each day to get you closer to whatever you're trying to do, 
Uh, it'll pay off eventually. How long did it take you to sign that first client? Man, that's a great question. Um, I always like the first of anything because it's yeah. always the hardest, you know? I would say probably a few months. Um, it's not a specific timeline because I was doing, I was kind of part of this program that was like a trainee program where you're hustling a lot and getting prospects for a senior advisor. Oh yeah. So there was this thing where it's like, I'm building up a list for him while trying to do some of my stuff on my own. But yeah, it was probably a good few months of just knocking on doors and having people either laugh at you or feel sorry for you or, you know, maybe give you the time of day, but nothing actually getting signed on paper for a while. I guess it was just fate. It was a fellow real estate investor, huh? Yeah, there was something about it. Where we just kind of connected. We had the same mentality, and he appreciated where I was coming from. So Yeah, he probably liked that aggressiveness, right? Yep. How long did you stay with that job? Um, I was a financial advisor right out of school. Did that for a couple of years, and I was a life insurance advisor for maybe about a year. And that was interesting, too, because that was phone sales, basically. It was all done over the phone. and um, it was almost like they were trying to be like a quick in loans of life insurance. So people be online, they say they're interested in life insurance. All of a sudden you're on the phone with them trying to get that first call closed just to, Hey, I know I'm a stranger, but I need your credit card information so I can sign you up for life insurance. So that was another thing where it was just cool. Awesome training experience. Uh, met some good people through that. And then I got recruited to be a 401k consultant, which was flying all over the country going to these different companies and talking to their employees about their retirement benefits and then meeting with them individually uh, to go over their goals, risks, time horizons, uh, to make sure that their money's invested correctly and to you know help them out. And that was cool too, just because going through all that stuff and what the economy had gone through, um, you know, if everything was just great and you couldn't lose, you wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily learn a whole lot during that time period, but Having all have to overcome all those objections was a very helpful thing that, you know, sales, whether you're in sales or you're a doctor trying to explain why your patient should take that medicine or you're a parent trying to get your kid to understand why they should eat their their vegetables. It was just one of those things that just it all adds. You got to just try to find the value in everything that you're doing to to uh, apply it just to everyday life or whatever your next big thing might be. Yeah, it's hard to get people, you can't make people make the decision you want, but learning how to get them to make a decision takes a little time. Right. And it's different over the phone than it is in person. And like, it's different via email. It was interesting. You learn those things. So you learn how to, to prospect and get leads. And then you mm-hmm. learn how to do sales calls with the insurance company. Right. So you kind of got a good combo of both face to face and phone. Yeah. Yeah. And it was nice because it's, uh, you you learn your own style. You can learn from other people that are successful doing it along the way, but you figure out what fits your personality because if you try to fake it and fit into some other mold, you try to be a savage like Jeremy Burgess, Steve Landau. If you're not actually that savage, it's just going to come off completely <laughs> insincere and you're probably going to fail because you're like, okay, I'm really not this tough. You know, For me, as more of I don't like confrontation. I try to understand their situation, put myself in their shoes, and then explain to them, what it is I'm trying to get across. So if I'm saying, well, it's important for you to save to retirement and they say wall street's nothing but a bunch of crooks and Bernie Madoffs, I can say, okay, I understand that uh, there is a lot of people that are bad in every field, including wall street. Um, but it is important to save up money. You probably don't want to be stuck working this job when you're 90 years old. So maybe at least just put it in a coffee can or put it somewhere so that you have some money when you no longer have a paycheck coming in. Um, so it's, it's just fun to kind of hone those things and, and get to know yourself I think sometimes it's hard for us to really understand ourselves and our own personality and admit to what our strengths and weaknesses may be. 
Dude, took me forever to do that. And I've said that forever. Good advice I got. Memorize first, then personalize, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, learn from everybody and then match it to your personality. Believe it or not, right. I think I'm normal, but I know I'm not. But that's that's how it seems to me. Yeah, it uh, just goes back to not there's no reason to reinvent the wheel. So Yeah. Well, I also don't go after people now that I know I terrify, right? So I know enough about myself now and my personality that if it depending on the personality type. Yeah, for sure. I, I refer them. Yep. Right. Because I don't want a bad review. Yep. And we're not going to mesh up. I know there's certain people I just don't handle particularly well, and I still want them to have a great experience. So I just, but that's more about learning about yourself. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm still working on some of that myself, probably will be for a long time. So that's cool. This whole time, though, I mean, obviously you had to be thinking about real estate because you bought, and that was your own personal home, though, right? Like, mm-hmm. But you bought. During when nobody else was buying, I remember this time. Right, I remember for Detroit, it was definitely 2007, August 2007, and by December, January 2008, it was already like we're all going to die. And then like 2009 comes, and then it hits the suburbs. Yeah, but you go and you buy a house when everybody was fleeing, so you had to be thinking about it, right? Walk me through that. Yeah, I guess I was lucky just going back to being young and starting to be curious about real estate investing um, or I should say really the stock market is what I kind of started off with, but I guess it's a weird, it uh, goes against your human nature as far as like Warren Buffett says, I think it's, you know, be greedy when others are fearful, fearful when others are greedy. It's a lot easier said than done, but I think I already had a little bit of that background with just a little dabbling I did with investments, just realizing that, well, if I want to buy something, and it's a lower price now, then that's a good thing. You know, like I talk to people and say, you don't get all fired up and, and mad if all of a sudden gas drops down to $2 a gallon. You'd say, that's a great time to buy it. Or if you're looking to buy a new laptop, you wouldn't be all bummed out that now that new MacBook or whatever is going for $400. So it's like, if you believe in that product or that thing that you're trying to get, be happy that it, you can get it for a good price. So for me, being that, you know, out of college and starting to look for houses, I understood the opportunity that I had. And um, it's just one of those things where there's so many strange, unique things that were going on. I didn't really know how it was all going to pan out, but as long as you pursue something and take steps towards it, it may or may not work out, but if you never take the steps towards it, it's definitely not going to happen. So they, at that point they had, uh, I think it was called the neighborhood stabilization act or program or something like that, where they were handing out 50 grand to people that were buying foreclosures and they were given that tax credit uh, as well. So it was it was just crazy because um, I don't remember the exact program and how it all worked. My aunt originally told me about it, and it was one of those things where it's they had you go through home buying classes, and there was all these things that you had to do. So I could have just went this typical route and probably still found a really good deal on a house at any time, like anybody else was finding. But I just that kind of just piqued my curiosity, so I pursued it, and I figured if it works out or if it doesn't work out. Oh, well, but if it does work out and I get $50,000, like that's amazing. So yeah, they had this thing you had to go through this whole process and I don't remember what all that was now, but, um, basically the house, it was, I mean, it's not a huge house. It's 1200 square feet or something, but my yard's like the size of a football field, which is why I really loved it. And it's fenced in. It's great for the dogs and everything, but it was selling for 45 grand and they were going to give me $50,000 to fix it up. And, um, so I think it was, you know, that. 
I purchased it for 45 grand and had to put maybe 30 grand into it. So it was like 75 all in, but then I'm getting $50,000 from the county. And after that, the purchase, then they gave you those tax credits of like 10% up to eight grand or whatever it was. So then I got $4,500 back. So it was just like one of those things where it's, you kind of learn about things that are opportunities in life and that spark your interest. And a lot of people outside of the renegade group, the majority might be saying, oh, I wish I would have done that or that'd be interesting or that'd be really cool to invest in real estate one day or or whatever it might be. I want to start farming and doing my own urban thing. It's like, I think within our group, it's a very unique group where we're the minority of people that pursue those strange things or risky things. Um, I think a lot of people that start businesses or are successful in businesses, it's kind of that mentality going back to that quote we had at the beginning of the show where a lot of them, I think it's either they just got big balls and they're just, they don't care. They're not going to let anything stop step uh, into their way or they're just too stupid to realize what a big risk it is. And not necessarily stupid, but they just don't realize. You don't really, you don't know what you don't know sometimes. So I think it's a lot of times just pursuing things and learning along the way and, and taking mistakes as uh, lessons and learning experience instead of being so frozen in fear that you never take a risk. Did you even have money to buy this house or you just get, it was all alone. You have to put anything in. Cause that's a badass deal, dude. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, let me think. I mean, if I had to come up with money, it wasn't much. It was very minimal. And even so you if you found a way to buy and basically get, what, so 50, $54,500 back right. on a purchase. Yeah. So even if you had to put like 3% down with the purchase price being 45 grand, it was, Nothing. you know, whatever that yeah. is, 13,000 or 1350 or whatever that works out to be. But, um, yeah, it's pretty crazy just because, um, yeah, it, it's just like, I don't know. There's so many weird things that happen in life where you want to just say it's luck, but it's like a little bit of all that stuff where, you know, preparation meets opportunity and, and, uh, it's nothing that I did that was really special. My aunt told me about a thing and I just looked into it. Yeah, but you did it. Still pretty badass. So you bought your first home. Why a rental in Kalamazoo two years later? So you waited two years, right? So you're still doing all this stuff, and then two years pass, and right. I'm going to buy a rental in Kalamazoo. Yeah. So as I was, I went to school in Kalamazoo at Western Michigan University. Uh, my buddy Jeremy Cole, he started investing young while he was there. He was buying up uh, houses at the property tax auctions. And he'd post and share different things on Facebook. And he was always willing to help out anybody. You know, if you ever got any questions about real estate or investing, let me know. And at that time, I had chosen that different path of I'm going to be a financial advisor at this point instead of pursuing real estate, but knowing that that's where I wanted to kind of end up eventually. And uh, I initially, it's like, I basically just ended up reaching out to him and saying, yeah, I'd like to get together. This is something I want to pursue. And Somewhere along there, I got engaged to my beautiful wife right out of college. So we're going through our engagement and everything like that. And she's like, please don't buy another house, you know, (laughs) until we're married. Like we don't even have couches in our front room. Why would we buy a house for somebody else and put money into it? Did she really say, please, I would love it. (laughs) Yes. Jeff, could you please stop She's very understanding because I always have a lot of crazy ideas. I know I think it's like us as entrepreneurs, we have crazy ideas within real estate, but just like. Your mind's always going or you're always curious or interested about something that you might have heard about or that you haven't you're seeing somebody else have success with. Um so another 
interesting thing that happened was we have a family reunion each year and we were doing this time capsule where every 10 years we're going to open this time capsule. So I think it was 2000 and um, what would that have been like 2009 or something like that. Like two years before I bought my rental property, I just put something in the time capsule about like I was going to start investing in real estate because I knew over the next 10 years, it's going to happen at some point or another. So then I kind of had that thing too, where, you know, they say it's important to write down your goals or have a vision board. It's kind of like, I'm going to read that thing when I'm 30 something years old and I better have done something about it. So, um, or it's going to be terribly embarrassing. Exactly. If you do it in front of your family, right. Grandpa's a loser. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) that was, it was just like, I knew I wanted to, I talked to my buddy, Jeremy, and just having that support group of people that have actually had success in what you're doing, you know, why I found so much value from your podcast and the people that are here in Metro Detroit doing what I want to do. Before I found your podcast, I didn't have that, but I had him and other people in my life, like uh, my friend Tony's dad and you know people that have had success in real estate. I mean, the greatest thing about real estate is it's nothing new. It's not like you and I are going to start a business. We're going to come up with a new widget or an app, and hopefully we make a million dollars. It's like, here's something that people have been doing for a long time. It's done well for many people, and you need to have like a fifth grade you know, math understanding to be successful at it. So we got married in August of 2011. So then we had our honeymoon and we had like a little reception in September with family. And then in October, I bought that property. So I was like, <laughs> well, you said after we're married. So I was like, we're married. I'm buying a rental property. And she was we're married, understandably uh, upset because she's like, yeah, I knew you wanted to, but you know, same thing. It's like, we still didn't have all the furniture in our house and I'm spending money on houses for other people, but Gina's still waiting for furniture, so you're way ahead of me, sir. You're way ahead of me. Yeah, yeah so she's Speaking been awesome. Which, don't tell her that part. Gina, don't listen. That's He was joking. Yeah, my wife's been understanding, and now she sees that some of the crazy ideas that there's... I don't always explain my thought process behind things, but now that she sees that it is thought out and there's a benefit to what I'm doing, uh, she's supportive and it's awesome. So it's sometimes, you know, we have our crazy ideas that we're not really sharing the thought process with it, and then you do something, and it's like, why in the world would you do that? It's hard to sell crazy, you yeah. know, but... You either got it or you don't, you know, (laughs) it worked out. So what did you do between 2011 and 2014, the first RDI meeting with Vicky Love? Because I don't see any more houses purchased there. Like they've got four years, man. Uh, I had bought in two more rental units. So in that three years, um, I got an awesome job that I was really liking and doing a lot of traveling. I was starting to just put a bunch of money in my retirement account and trying to do all the things that, you know, you're supposed to do by traditional standards of far, as far as getting a good paying job with good benefits and saving a lot for retirement. I was just kind of in that mode just because I was kind of happy to have arrived at there after my hard work. And, you know, what am I going to be when I grow up and all these types of things and going from the door knocking at Edward Jones and being like, man, this sucks. Okay. Now I'm at to a point where I'm, I'm comfortable in making good money. Um, but I still was pursuing real estate. Uh, at that time I was trying to get more involved with Jeremy and buying properties at the, um, tax auctions just cause he'd be like, so for example, he might've bought the house that I bought off, off him for like seven grand, put seven grand into it. He's 14 into it, sells it to me for 25 and then he's on to the next one, but he's taking that 25 grand and he's buying like two or three more houses with it. So I'm getting frustrated because I'm stuck at a full-time job and I have three rental units now but it's been over two or three years. And I say, this isn't going to work. If I get one rental unit per year, you know, if I want to have 20, 50, is that going to take me 20 or 50 years to get to that point? So then it's, um, that's when I, that third year or whenever it was, 
were looking to buy properties at the property tax auction, couldn't find anything, ended up finding a good property to flip though. Um, so that's when I decided I wanted to be more proactive and aggressive about real estate as opposed to just passive building up a, a rental portfolio. So then it was kind of seeking out those um, resources, you know, meeting with Joe Delia, him telling me I should go to this local networking meeting, going to RDI, meeting people. So that's where it was just kind of like I went from, I know real estate's a good idea and it's good that I'm participating in it, but I'm not really taking massive action or doing it at the pace that I want to. Well, obviously something clicked because you came to RDI and then somehow you decided wholesaling was going to be at least at this particular point in time, how you made your way forward, right? Right. Walk me through that because I, th- I find that interesting, very interesting. Yeah, so it was uh, – I bought that first flip and that was cool. Here I'm seeing something that's a little bit more proactive, a little bit more aggressive, a bigger payday, a quicker turnaround that can get me to that spot of where if I don't want to work for somebody else, I don't have to. But also the market's getting tightening, tightening up. All of a sudden, I've seen my friend that made a bunch of money at the property tax auctions, and these properties are getting bid up. And where I thought it was just going to be that easy of easy process of repeating what he's been doing, well, now the market's changing. Now it's 2014, and and all of a sudden the deals aren't as available. So I was frustrated frustrated as far as I can't just expect him to find me all these properties. I can't just wait for a realtor to knock on my door and say I wanted to de- deliver you this great deal. So that was. How do I get away from my nine to five, but also not wait for a good deal to just appear to me? How do I actually go after and find the good deals? So I specifically remember being at that meeting and uh, Vicky mentioned something about wholesaling and I think Steve stood up or was standing in the back and she's like, yeah, how, how many deals did you do? And he said like 40 or something like that. And I was just like, I don't know how what he's making on average per deal, but it sounds like he's got something figured out. And that sounds like something where if I want to walk away from my job, that's a way that I can replace my income and focus on real estate full time. So between hearing Steve and meeting you and then just happening to bump into Josh Sterling, he's similar age as me, hearing what Josh is doing on a crazy scale, running into Scott Wilcox and hearing about what him and his brother are doing. He's kind of like, you know, John's doing it full time. He's working towards that. Like, it's crazy. These people are all like my people. You know, you just kind of like when we meet at our groups, if you've never been there before and you meet some of these new folks, you're like, finally, somebody that kind of thinks like me or that is doing something that I really want to do when friends and family, even though they might mean well, are telling you why that's a bad idea or why it's so risky or why in the world would you leave a high paying job with great benefits? So you meet that crew and then all of a sudden your brain just explodes with opportunity and ideas. And uh, so that's kind of getting involved with your group, why it was so crazy. Because then I just start you know, listening to the podcast and hearing from guys that are just doing amazing things that are doing it in our area, doing the things that I want to do are similar to our age. And you're just like, well, what am I waiting for? Why? I wish I would have found this earlier, which I think is just... That's a common thread between anybody that gets into real estate investing. Why didn't I do it earlier type of thing? So Always, always. Yeah. That's why I was asking you about 14, how you were thinking about the stock market, because I wasn't thinking anything about the stock market. Yeah. The sooner you start, man, you could be savage like Carson, you know? Yeah, it's funny too, because then learning, like, learning so much about the stock market and having thousands of conversations with people about their retirement and seeing people that make minimum wage 
and people that were multi-million dollar executives and business owners and everything in between. Like I was all over the country, California, Florida, Texas. So I got to just see people from all walks of life and have conversations, intimate conversations about their money and their life. You know, people that would get teary eyed with me and everything. And so that was another thing that just like flipped the switch for me as far as saying, I'm going to create a life that I don't feel like I have to retire from. You know, I, you hear sob stories about people that worked in the factory till they were 60 years old. And as soon as I'm done working at this job that I hate with this boss that I don't like, then I'm going to start fishing, golfing, traveling, whatever the case may be. And I'm just thinking I'm going to have a good life no matter what. I'm lucky that I have good friends and family and a nice support group. But at the same time, I want to create something where it's like I can do what I want when I want. And the things that I'm pursuing, I'm doing so because I'm interested in. Dude, I love that. A job I don't have to retire from. That's like right. a life I don't have to quit and a yeah. life I don't have to wait for. It's like, it's kind of all the same thing. I love it. Right. Yeah. Cause it's just like, man, you ain't promised any extra time. Like nobody right. knows, right? Yeah, for sure. And there's no, the other thing I always think about is there's no, like you can, what I always tell people when they ask about a recommendation about something, whether it's an investment, you know, you can talk to 10 different real estate investors and they're going to give you 10 different opinions about the right way to do things or the best way to do things. So there's not really a wrong answer. You got to find more what's a good fit for you. So you can say, well, what is success? Well, success is going to be a different uh, explanation from everybody and it should be. Same thing like when I talk to people about retirement, they're like, well, how much should I save for retirement? Well, what do you want to do in retirement? Is retirement for you just hanging out with the grandkids and maybe going fishing on the weekends in town? Or is it you want to make sure that you have a beach house in California, go to Italy twice a year? It's like, there's not a wrong answer. It's just what makes, what's the best fit for you. So like you and I have a lot of similarities and we also have a lot of differences and that's great. We find out what fits perfect for us. If someone was saying, well, success is to really just keep your head down, grind it out for 20 years. So that way, by the time, if you start when you're 20 and you're, and when you're 40 and you're in, and you're a millionaire, by the time you're 40, you're going to be able to do whatever you want. You're going to live like no one else. So in the future, you can live like no one else. Or somebody might say, what I want to do is just sell everything, travel around the world, take whatever manual labor I can get in the country that I happen to be in that week. And that's going to be living. And they're going to experience more than, you know, more in a year than most people would in their entire life. So what's, you know, what's the true success? It's, it's dependent on that individual. So I think that's what the cool thing is. It's not about some end goal that you're trying to get to necessarily, because if you reach that goal, then what your life has no purpose. It's more about figure out how you can enjoy the journey to get where you want to go. You still want to write down goals and have things to pursue and work towards. But if you're hating life between start and finish, then what's the the point of uh, your pursuit anyways? See, that's why I need to hang out with you more. I'm still learning that part. I got the grind part down. And yeah. I'm like working in the rest of it. That's actually something you helped me start to do. And we'll get there. I don't want to jump the gun, but that's why if you ask me to go hunting or it's like, I just, if, if there's any way I can do it, I now say yes. Yeah. For exact that same reason. Like I'm going to get to the end and what, wish I fished and hunted less. No. Right. Yeah. Like I'm going to want to do it more. So like, I need to say yes to more things and stop working so much. I'm still working on it, but you've helped me with that. Yeah. It's crazy too. Cause it's a balance because I mean, it's, it's specific to that individual and uh, I'm not the smartest or most successful and I don't have all the right answers. And there's actually a lot of things that I've continued to do that are mistakes that I wish I wouldn't do. 
And that's why it's good to have surround yourself with successful people and people that you want to be like, because there's always room for improvement and we're good where we feed off of each other, where you're like, man, Jeff's always out doing fun things and having a good time, which is great. But if that's all I ever did, you know, I'd have to start looking for nine to five again or, or something because you're not being any, you're not being productive. You're not getting closer to your goals and having the money to, to do the thing. So even if it's not about dollars for you, it's about having that money as a tool to pursue things, whether that's volunteering or, or helping other people, whatever you want to do with it. But, you know, I hang out with people like you so that I know that I figure out what my weaknesses are and either hire them out for something like a VA or spend time with people that will be a benefit to me based on the positive influence that they'll be. So the most uh, productive I've ever been in my life, probably at least real estate wise was when I was working out of the Keller Williams office in Royal Oak. And I had no interest necessarily in being a retail agent, but it was just, I just wanted to be in that atmosphere where it's time to get into work and get stuff done. And I'm sharing an office with Tommy Desmond. Uh, Wooderson's coming to the office. I got Matt Stransky right next to me. I got Joe Dealey and Jeremy Burgess right across the hall. It's like, even if I didn't want to be productive, like I was productive whether I wanted to or not. Like that stuff just is addictive and it rubs off. When you're hanging out with a bunch of people that are getting stuff done, even if it's just going to those RDI meetings and you're hearing about people taking action, whether it's somebody doing their first deal or somebody, you know, buying a million dollar apartment, um, it's hard not to, you know, if you have any interest in that stuff at all, it's, it's infectious. Yeah, I miss I miss that the first year and a bit in the Royal Oak office. That was a savage group, wasn't right. there? Right through there, yeah. Yeah, we were getting after it back then. Yeah, burning the midnight oil. That was fun. Well, you decided to start wholesaling, and your first venture, you decided to partner. Yep. How did you come up with that decision and how you decide who to partner with? Because I think that's interesting, too. A lot of people think this kind of thing, like, maybe I should get a partner. Or, you know, Walk us through that. Right. So um, I'd gone to that first RDI meeting. I'd heard Steve Landau talking about it a little bit. I'd heard how you basically just had teamed up with Steve and just said, I'm just going to do what the successful guy is doing. And sure enough, you know, you just started crushing it. Um, then you started doing that series on it because it was becoming more of a popular thing, I guess you'd say. A lot of people were asking about it. And it's funny because if you listen to the recording of that podcast, at the end of that podcast, you can hear me, my voice of, you know, I'm probably scared to come up to the front and talk to you, but I was just like, at that time, I still had a full-time job, which I liked and was paying good, but I knew that that's not where I wanted to end up. So I asked about basically asking you for ideas on how can I partner with different people. So I have the money, I have the interest, I have the drive to invest into real estate, but I don't know what I should know about it. So I hear about you and Steve wholesaling houses. That sounds interesting, but how do I get involved? Because me and you are similar in a, in the way that we're kind of impatient. We just want to do stuff. So that's my thing too, which is helps me to learn quicker. I make a lot of mistakes along the way, Oh yeah, but it's just kind of like, I want to start investing and I want to start wholesaling yesterday. So who is awesome at doing that? And how can I provide value to them to where they'll want to hang out with me? Um, so that's kind of what that thought process was basically just cause I was still stuck at a, a, a job, but it was funny because I'd been I got promoted. So before where I was out on the road talking with people about investments all the time, I loved that. I did a good job at that, but I got promoted, but I got promoted into a cubicle job and I had never had a cubicle job. 
I'd always been like getting paid based on like my efforts and I didn't really have a boss. It was like, here's your clients that you need to see for the month, schedule it yourself, go out and do your thing. And as long as you're getting stuff taken care of, we won't bother you. You know, being in an office setting, that's completely different. So now I'm in an office setting that I don't really want to be in. And I'm listening to your podcast every day about all these people that are doing what I want to be doing. So then it was just like a downward spiral. There's like no way. TPS reports. Yeah, there's no way I'm going to be staying in this office because here's all these people that are doing what I want to do. And they're telling me how to do it. So how do I connect with these people? And what's the soonest I can put my two weeks in and be gone. So, you know, I'm eating this shit up, right? I love this shit, right? Like, I'm ready to go do something right now. I don't even I, that's care what thing. it is. Yeah. <laughs> you got me excited. I'm a go. slacker overall, but Fuck that I came job. into town and uh, you're telling me how we got a offer for over asking and we're talking about this stuff. It just gets you fired up. So I think that's why it's so important. Even when I'm dead tired, or don't feel like going to an RDI meeting. I just go there because something's going to happen. That's just going to be, I always end up staying there till like 1030 at night, whether I want to or not, just because, I mean, people are there to help you, whether it's like directly or they're just spewing little golden nuggets that you're like, man, I'm so glad I came and I heard that it's, it's almost impossible to not show up to those meetings and find something that's going to get you excited or be helpful in one way or another. Um, so I lost my train of thought. We're, Mike and Mike, how you got oh, okay. to working so, for Mike and Mike? Yeah. I mean, uh, I was hearing, ROI investments. Yeah, I, was I can't about assume everybody knows Mike Simmons and Mike Cowper. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd found Mike Simmons podcast. I don't know if it was, it might've just been through you. Like you might've referenced it and, and so just start real estate. You can search it on anyone. It's it, any, any podcast app. Yeah. The nice thing back then too, whenever that was like two and a half years ago or whatever, I mean, wholesaling was getting big, but there was like Ron Walraven, Steve Landau and Jeremy Burgess and Mike Cowper and Mike Simmons. Yeah. And it was like, those were the guys that were doing it. So it's like, well, those are the guys that I'm going to hang out with. And, um, I had gotten a chance to meet you and say hi to you at the meetings and I just shot Mike Simmons an email uh, just saying how much I appreciated what I had learned from his podcast and just seeing if by chance he'd want to grab dinner sometime. And he agreed to it, which was awesome because, like I said, it's funny when you do these podcasts or, or whatever, you know, you might be known as. I think when we're starting out, when I was starting out two and a half years ago, it's like I see you guys and it's kind of like, uh, you know, it's like a kid if they like a sports team and meeting that athlete, it's like, I'm not big into sports. I like hockey and everything like that, but it was more of like, that's more exciting to me. Like, well, these are the guys that are figuring out how to do the thing I want to do. So, uh, and you guys are both gracious enough to like be accessible and help out and things like that. So had dinner with him and just kind of started brainstorming and he was getting heavily involved in wholesaling at that time and just kind of talked about, you know, where can I add value to his business? Cause I figure if you reach out to anybody and figure out a way to help make them money, you're going to learn how to do stuff along the way. And it's, even if you don't get a direct return from it right off the bat, it's such a relationship business, especially most of us, we're going to be doing this stuff for 30 some years, at least with any luck, right? Yeah. So it's like, unless we get tired of counting money. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to go to, you know, nothing wrong with going to college. I went to college, but you're going to go to college and learn all these things that some of the stuff you're interested in, some of the stuff you're not, you're going to give them tens of thousands of dollars and you don't complain about that. So if you can go make somebody a bunch of money and learn how to become a millionaire and work for yourself over the next 30 years, I mean, it's just, that was just kind of my mentality. Like, hopefully I can do something where I make some money along the way, but I just need to learn how to and build these relationships. You know, any of these people, like, I mean, that's one of my biggest suggestions to people. Obviously, taking people out to dinner is, is nice and everything like that. Um, I mean, I appreciate it when people take me out for dinner or coffee, and that might get you, like, the first meeting, but what's going to, like, 
continue that relationship because it's like yes you just nailed it right there yeah. i like dinner and i like coffee that's all good and everything like that but i mean if you want to just pick my brain and take withdrawals you know from the relationship time after time it's going to be like you know i got to good luck deposits. to you but yeah. yeah so it's like i don't think there's anybody you know out of the 20 some different investors that i've gotten to partner with or work with in one capacity or another um over the past couple of years I've made a lot of money for a lot of them. And I look like I look at it as like the funny thing is I actually got to make money along the way with them. And like that should be your mentality is like if you make them a lot of money, that's awesome. If you happen to make some money along the way, that's good too. But the thing is now you have that relationship built for the next 30 some years. So, um, I mean, there's not anybody that I haven't had help me out in one way or another that I haven't made them a lot of money or at the very least just because whatever reason there wasn't a deal to be had or they helped me out on something that wasn't necessarily a deal, but like they're getting at least a hundred dollar gift card. Like I'm going to go out of my way to figure out a way that I can provide some value. Dude, you did that shit to me and work like a charm, man. Yeah. Like, so it's, oh, I need to pay attention to this guy. Like I couldn't, you didn't, you didn't even leave it up as an option. Like I couldn't ignore you. Yeah. I think that's the most important thing is just try to figure out where you can provide that massive value. And it might not always be money. You might not, Maybe whatever your situation is, you don't have money for. It's not usually money either. That's the secret. Right? Yeah. So it's it's more of just like providing that value of, uh, it could be anything. It could be cold calling. It could help. You could help with random stuff like editing podcasts or YouTube videos. And you, know, you give people those opportunities. It's just reaching out to that person and say, I really appreciate what I've learned from you. Even if you haven't learned directly from them. Hey, I listened to a podcast where Jeremy Burgess interviewed you and I learned a lot from that and I really appreciate that. I think you need to let people know a lot of these top guys in our industry, in our area, they're doing okay financially. They don't need you to buy them uh, lunch or anything like that. They might appreciate it. But the thing is, if you can actually bring them value, like bringing them a deal or referring somebody to them, that's going to mean a lot. And the other thing is just to be humble and polite. Uh, Sometimes it's an intimidating group. There's some people that aren't that nice or intimidating or whatever. And that might be true, but you have to understand like the value that they bring, whether you like them personally, that doesn't really matter a whole lot. I think sometimes people ego will get in the way and they're missing out on what they could be learning because they think like, Oh, that guy's not very nice. Like, okay, whether that's true or not, doesn't really matter. But if you say, if you appreciate and you show that person that you appreciate what they've taught you and you go out and implement that and you tell them, Hey, I really appreciate you. Tell me about this. I went out and gave it a try. I failed miserably, but I can see where the value is in that. Then they're going to be willing to, willing and wanting to help you out. Whereas if you're questioning what they're suggesting, whether you agree with it or not, doesn't really matter because they're trying to help you out. So if you're going to provide any negative feedback or not do what they suggest, why would they continue that? So that I mean, yeah, I think I'm. Uh, it's funny, like I joke that I'm lazy. I know uh, negative self talk's not a good thing, so I should say I'm. Uh, and I try to be more efficient with my time, but it's You're not that lazy, obviously. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's, it's more of just like always to try to uh, work smarter and just lean on people. If people are doing what you want to do, I mean, there's so much, there's just endless amount of content out there with podcasts, YouTube videos, blogs, whatever it might be. The, the information's out there. That's not the problem. It's just building relationships and providing value to others as to where, what's going to get you over the hump and really show you success long-term. Well, you started with Mike and Mike. Mm-hmm. How did that go? And how, obviously you eventually moved on, but walk me through that. Yeah, that was cool because that's another thing about leaning on people that have a lot more experience 
than you in trying to provide value to them and make them money because it kind of gives you this like false sense of not false sense, but it, it's kind of like, uh, you might not pick a fight with a guy twice your size, but if you got like, uh, you know, some football team behind you, you got Steve Landau and the whole Brazilian jiu-jitsu team behind you. You're like, you know what? I'm new to this. I'm a little bit, uh, worried about this new venture, but I'm okay going into this battle because I got a monster team behind me. And it was kind of that thing with Mike and Mike where it's just like, these guys are crazy. They're crushing it. That's like my training wheels. You know, I can almost be reckless and just dive headfirst into this thing that I might not understand yet, but I'll figure it along the way. And at the same time, they're not going to let me really fall too far or hard. So it's like having them to lean on was just such a huge thing, you know, whether that's just listening to podcasts or actually having a relationship with an individual. Um, so that was great because it got to a point where I could start marketing. And when you have those, uh, times where you question yourself, you know, so I think I started marketing in, uh, like February of 2016 and you do that. And I think like with a lot of people, you try it out, you spend some money and you're, you're kind of nervous because you want to spend a lot of money, but you don't really believe it yet. So you don't know if it's going to work. And there's all these people that dabble and they get crushed because they're like, they never really give it a chance to become anything. Yeah. They don't commit either enough yeah. or long enough. Right? Yeah. I did one mailing and it did or didn't work out. You know, it needs to be that whole process, that ongoing thing, especially with wholesaling and marketing where it's an ongoing thing and there's consistent follow-up. You know, a lot of de- your deals are going to be in your follow-up and it's not easy things, but it's, it's that process because if you, if you start the process and then you stop it, you never get the momentum to keep yeah. it going. Um, so that was just knowing that, you know, when I, when those certain doubts might creep into my head about certain things that I could just kind of have a quick conversation with Mike and Mike that are, you know, killing it and they know what they're doing. I'm very comfortable with, if I talk to Steve Landau, Jeremy Burgess, Mike Copper, Mike Simmons, Ron Waller, even about wholesaling, whatever they're telling me, like they're doing it. You know, there's a lot of people that have opinions about things, why it's a good idea to invest in real estate, have a rental, start a business. They'll have an opinion about it, but they've never actually done that thing successfully. So you got to take it with a grain of salt. Like I said, sometimes they're just looking out for you and they don't want to see you fail or get hurt. But it's like the only opinions I'm interested in are the opinions of the people that are successfully doing what I'm asking Dude. questions about. Amen. Amen. When I finally figured that part out, I'm embarrassed how long it took me to figure it out. The first time I really did that was when I started working for Steve Lundell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it took, that took a long time to hammer out for some reason in my head. But once I finally did it, went and worked for Steve for two years and, you know, that, that kind of solved that problem. Yeah. How long did you stay with uh, Mike and Mike? Um, geez, I wish I remember exactly, but I want to say it was about a year. It might have been a little bit less than that. Cause I feel like it was kind of like a February through December type thing or, or somewhere in there. Decided to go out on your own. Yeah. Well, it's funny cause I started with them in February and then I quit my job and I think I got that. The first deal we did together was in April, I think I said. And then I quit my job like the following month. Like I kind of already was like going back to real estate. It's like a proven system. Proven so concept. You did one. Yeah. So I was just kind of like. I already knew that real estate's a proven thing. It's not like, I wonder if real estate's something that I can make money in. It's more of just, yeah, that proof of concept of, I know I'm. it's working. I know I'm working with a great group of people. I have an awesome support group uh, with the Renegade Detroit investors. But when do I actually pull the trigger? And I, I'm a little bit reckless sometimes too. Like I have a lot higher threshold for risk than most people. 
just because of maybe, I don't know, my familiarity with real estate investing in stock market, like knowing it's going to go up and down, but I'm at the end of the day, are you going to be good long-term? And usually the answer is yes. So I think it was just kind of like, okay, I had the thing in place. I'm doing the thing that I should be doing and like quit. And, you know, it's sometimes it's one of those things where I'm like hypocritical where it's like, do as I say, not as I do. I wouldn't necessarily tell people to do things the way that I would do. Um, You know, there's on paper, there's a lot better ways to do things. Make sure you have six months of savings. You know, it's like, you know, disclaimer as Jeremy already gave at the beginning, but I'm not a licensed financial advisor anymore. Um, So this is all just my opinion. But, you know, when I'm meeting with any kind of investors and they're asking me what I should invest in, I have to look at their own personal uh, personal situation. You know, what's your current situation financially? What's your timeline? What's your risk tolerance? So it's just like, should I put my money into stocks or bonds? Well, my opinion, consult your professionals on this, but is that if you want your money to grow, you'd put it into stocks. Bonds, I feel, are more to reduce risk. But I'm not just going to say, well, you want your money to grow? Put it in this one. If you don't, put it in that one. It's not that simple. Everybody's situation is really unique. Uh, Money's an emotional thing, and everybody's got different crazy things that they're trying to deal with and balance in their life. Um, So usually they're trying to find that balance for them as and investing as well. And I mean, that was one of my things that I was most interested in getting into real estate because when you understand investing in just different efficient markets, real estate, even though it becomes more efficient all the time, is still a very inefficient investment. People will sell you a house for some low price just because they feel like doing that because of their particular situation at that time where stock you know, there might be some undervalued thing, but nowhere near the the uh, amount that you would see in something like real estate. And also, you can add value to it. So if you buy a share of a stock, how are you going to add value to it? And then you could sell it for maybe more than what a fair market value or appraised value might be just because somebody loves that house or they love that neighborhood. So there's just crazy opportunity uh, with real estate, just with it being uh, an efficient market and being such a, you know, money being such an emotional thing. Dude, there's nobody more emotional than a than a home buyer. Right. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. Like, you could just go buy a house because somebody didn't pay taxes or doesn't want to deal with it anymore. Can't do that with necessarily a stock, and you can't add value in the same way. So yeah, that was that was a great analogy. I love that. That's one of the things I love about real estate. And there's so many, as he pointed out, there's so many ways to do it. Right. Yeah. Full disclaimer again. You know, don't don't pick our way. Or it, there's a myriad of ways to right. do this. Right. And a lot of ways work. Yep. I like that. So well, obviously you've been doing it now on your own successfully. You wholesale. And you flip, mm-hmm. and I don't want to gloss over that, but I've definitely been working up to something. Right. <laughs> yeah. So last year, I took my first vacation since 2010 when my wife and I went to Costa Rica. And I, maybe I shouldn't say vacation because it was a boys' outing, and I didn't bring the wife. Um, I couldn't. I wanted to, but at the time, we had too many dogs and. That's that's a whole other story. So, if you didn't know, and I'm gonna I'm gonna lay it on right now, him and his brother uh, bought slash partnered with this charter business up in the UP. Let me make sure I get the name right. Where where is that? I don't want to screw it up. Island Charters Mi 
com. Yep. So you talked, you bought it. I was like, dude, I should come up. You talked me into it. And then I put together a small group of, of savages. I think it was uh, Jeff Rabinowitz, Tommy Desmond, Mark Tomes, and Rob Gish. Yeah. Did I, I didn't miss anybody, right? And sure. you were the fifth, yeah. Yeah, me. And then me, of course, right. So we went up to four days. And where, I don't even remember where this is at. Where is that? I know it's in the UP. I yeah, so it's shit. about uh, half an hour east of the Mackinac Bridge in the Upper Peninsula. It's right along Lake Huron. There's a chain of islands not people a lot of people know about unless you actually really zoom in on a map. There's like 30-some islands in there, so it's a pretty awesome and unique spot. Um, a lot of people are familiar with Mackinac Island. It's about half an hour east of Mackinac Island. So like we did the one night, you can literally hop in your boat and drive your boat to Mackinac Island and party the night away and then go fishing and go back to the cabins or whatever you want to do. And we did. I had the best time. His brother, Greg whom I love slash hate, depending on how many of his Instagram photos I've looked at. We went out. Not only was it gorgeous, because it was. It was so beautiful. But we slayed fish like you wouldn't believe. And then we, you guys even got in a tournament. And didn't Greg get third or some shit like that? Yeah, I think yeah. he got like second place. In second place. Sorry, Greg. I didn't mean to short you one. It might have been third. I don't know. We're going to go with second. I don't want to He makes a lot of money catching that. fish one way or another. Yeah, yeah he does really – and you took us to Mackinac Island, and we went and explored the islands, and we had a blast. And even the last day, and I apologize to my – I am definitely more into fishing than all my friends are. <laughs> the last day was pretty rough. I still had a good time. My friends hung in there. Yeah. <laughs> it was beautiful. I We're going back up again. So let's talk. You – yeah, no pressure, by the way. Jeremy tells me he hasn't had a vacation in oh, yeah. however many years. <laughs> I haven't had a vacation in the past decade. This better be the best vacation of my life. And I was like, yeah, I hope it is. He's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Which, by the way, not only did we catch a lot of fish, but I caught my first Atlantic salmon. So now I've caught yeah, that's unique to the area, all cool. the salmon that you can catch in North America. Which, not a lot of people can say that. No, they can't. And that was I wouldn't say like I was hunting for it, but it was definitely a thought in my mind. I didn't tell anybody about it. It was either going to happen or it wasn't going to happen. And just by a strange coincidence, because I let Rob pick up the pull, so he pulls in a king, and then the next one, it happened to be my turn. So just by pure luck, yeah, I guess I get Rob Atlantic. was going after a king salmon for years and had never got one. So, dude, it was so great for 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 so many reasons. So you decide to buy a charter boat. This yeah, comes in that risk taking. I thing think we're that happened. About. I think that actually happened right about. Geez, I want to say that happened like right when I left my job. Like basically I started partnering with Mike and Mike and then like a couple months later I bought that charter business too. So it was just kind of like that thing where Walk me through that. The flip was so happy. Yeah, the switch was this. flipped and it was just like I'm building a life I don't need to retire from. I'm going after the things I want to do. People are showing me how to do these things. Here we go. Um and that was cool too because it was a turnkey operation where the people that we were buying it off of Greg had become friends with and um it was already a proven concept. So it wasn't like, hey, let's buy a boat and some fishing gear and hopefully people pay us a lot of money to go fishing. It was more of, hey, we've been doing this for 16 years. Here's how much money we make. Here's how much it'll cost you. Do you want to do this? And, you know, going back to what success looks like for you, you know, Greg got started doing that. He's kind of, he was at the age where um, I think he was just finishing up with college or still in college. And he's like, and he's your younger brother. Yeah, my youngest brother. Sorry, yep. I need to explain this stuff. Yeah, so my youngest brother, 
And uh, I know we got similar personalities. Uh, he would hate being a, a cubicle. So it was kind of like this thing of where, okay, we got this turnkey operation. You know, what's the upside? Well, we love it. We make a lot of money and we li- we're living a dream. What's the downside? Well, we hated it. It didn't work out. We sell the boat and we get a nine to five. So I think that's the other thing that people got to remember too. Like I said, really, you should plan things out a lot better than I do did and have some safeguards in place. But at the same time, nine to fives are always going to be there. So if you try something out, you want to start your own business, you want to do real estate and you fail miserably, that's okay. Go back to work, get another nine to five, keep on building up your resume and climb the corporate ladder. You know, that, that option isn't really going anywhere. So, um, yeah, we just figured, all right, turnkey operation. We kind of know where we're at, what the cost is going to be. We know where our break evens at and we know what we can kind of expect. And they've been building us up for the past 16 years. They got a lot of repeat customers. They've been on different you know, just local shows like Michigan Outdoors and whatnot. So it seemed like a pretty solid operation. So, um, yeah, it was just kind of, you know, at that time I'm quitting my job and my life's changing and I'm just pursuing stuff that I'm interested in. Yeah, dude, slayed it. We went up, we, it's ridiculous, ridiculous. Lakers, like enormously, and they're not even that big really for the area, but if you're used to fishing down here in Southeast Michigan. Like, yeah, you're going to have a heavy cooler with a lot of meat in oh, it. Oh man, we, we kill, it was so good too. And if you haven't had lake trout smoked, oh my God, it is almost as good as salmon. That's like a sleeper fish that people have been sleeping on because I'm not originally from out here. Yeah, you know, you need to know how to clean it because I think they did have, uh, that they weren't, you know, anybody, people weren't too excited about them back in the day, thought they were greasy or whatever, but it's like, if you know how to clean them right, and that's oh just my God. fresh, clean yeah. fillets, you'll enjoy it. Yeah, dude. We, we I'm not even a big fish fan. Like, I don't necessarily, I'm not like, fish is my favorite food. So it's so good. But when you have fresh salmon and trout out of the lake that you caught, you know, that week, it's going to be some good stuff. Yeah, we caught lake trout, we caught a king, we caught some pinks, which I caught before. And we caught an Atlantic, and we caught a lot too. We only got the one Atlantic, and you guys catch steelhead too. One or? no steelhead oh, okay. this time. I'm hoping, yeah, yeah, we'll get on this summer. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna nail on that. But it was just, and I got to mention one thing about this trip. First of all, you should call and book islandchartersmichigan.com. There's more to come to that, by the way. We just haven't worked up to it in the story yet. Saving the best for last. I was debating whether I was going to tell this story or not, and I don't think I can hold back and do this story any justice. So I'm just going to fucking go for it. All right. Judge me if you will. (laughs) So when I was up there for the four days, I think it was the second night we're coming back. Was we coming back from Mackinac? Was it the second night? I think it was the second night. When we're coming back with in the dark with the fireworks or whatever. Yeah. 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 So we go to Mackinac. He's like, you want to go to Mackinac Island? And I have absolutely fished these guys out. Like I know they're done. There's like, I want to keep going. Greg wants to keep going. And everybody else is like, good God, we've been killing them all day. Let's go do something different. So I'm like, fuck yeah, we'll go to Mackinac Island, right? He's like, there's this good little restaurant. We go, we walk up. It's a beautiful time, beautiful island. We eat. All that is great. Don't get me wrong. Just by sheer luck on the way back, it is pitch dark. And I'm having a time of my life. I got a belly full of good food. It's like, we've been slamming fish. It is pitch dark and Jeff and Greg are tearing through it. We're like, we're good. It's good weather, so we're tearing. I feel like James Bond on the back of this boat, and I'm standing up. I got an enormous Churchill cigar in my mouth, and then all of a sudden, the fireworks show starts, and I turn around, and I watch this entire fire show on a boat 
just cruising a fireworks show. It, it's like it I was called such, and set it up for you, right? It was so perfect. Like I couldn't even believe it. Just clear everything. We had such a good time, which now we're working up to the good part. Yeah, it's one of those things. It's like I where uh you you experience those things. It's funny too, I've I was just talking to somebody about this. It's almost like what's better to experience those things and realize that you miss them or want to do more of them or never experience them. Cause I mean, some people just have their, their life is great and they never leave their town or, or, you know, never go above and beyond, but they're super happy. And that's cool. Cause like I said, it's success and happiness is different for everybody, but then it's funny because you get a little taste of things like that and you're just like, this feels good. I want more of this. More, a lot more. And it was with good friends. Oh, that yeah. Coming back. Slay and fish, beautiful day, beautiful island, fireworks. Like it was just the whole thing. Yeah, you can be about perfect. anywhere with good company and Man, it's going to be a good time. It was such a good time. And that's what leads us up. So while we were up there and you're giving us a little tour of the islands and you're showing us the old homestead, mm-hmm. Jeff plants an idea. So I don't want to, you tell the rest of this story. Sure. Um, so there's two Jeffs here. So we got, I'm talking to Jeff Lipple and yeah. remember Jeff Rabinowitz is with us as right. well. So. Yeah, so basically, um, it's funny, kind of got all these people that are super successful, and I like the joke that they're like a bad influence because whatever you're doing, if there's somebody doing things bigger and better than you, you're going to kind of want to be a part of that. You know, I'm talking to people like Josh Sterling that he's buying apartments and Brad Tasia and they're, you know, these buildings that are, you know, maybe millions of dollars, say, you know, that's perking my interest like how does that work so going back to that thing of the frustration of trying to buy one rental unit per year that's going to take forever well you're telling me i can buy one thing at a time somehow i don't know how to do that yet but i can have 10 units off the bat or 100 units off the bat um so those guys both super successful helpful and just and you know great people doing those things that i'm kind of interested in and it's strange too because like I said, I used to think that I would make a lot of money so that I could start investing into real estate. I assumed like you need to have the big money to purchase the big things that'll make you more money. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I'm just thinking I don't have a W-2. I don't, I probably couldn't get approved for a $80,000 loan, but all of a sudden I'm looking at this property that's $845,000. I think it was actually listed for like $920,000 or whatever. But all of a sudden I have these friends and these people that I can reach out to and that are willing to help me along along the way that are doing those kind of things. So um, there's this resort uh, up in the town of Cedarville. It's called Island View Resort up by Mackinac Island where we were at and where we were staying and where we have our fishing charter business. And I knew that it was for sale. And the strange thing is I used to stay there all the time, uh, like 20 some years ago when I was, when we were, when we were young, that's a place that my parents would rent when we were going up on summer vacation before they ended up buying their place up there. So now they have their own place. We're no longer renting, but that thing is right in the middle of the prime area in the middle of the bay where we hang out right across from our cabin. And I know it's available for sale. And I always thought that'd be a cool place to, to own just because it's a cool place in a cool area type of thing. But then I start getting curious as to, well, would it actually make a good investment? Is it a good business? You know, we just bought this charter business that was turnkey you know, the proof of concept thing. It's this guy's owned it for 30 some years. I've known him, you know, we've known each other pretty much my whole life because he's had the place since I've started going there when I was a little kid. Um, 
So I just kind of took that step going back to just always take a little step towards whatever you're trying to pursue. It doesn't mean you have to figure it all out and know what the end result is going to be or how you're going to get to the finish line. But just ask that question, talk to those people, listen to a podcast about it, whatever it is, but just pursue that thing. So I kind of just send an inquiry about it. Hey, it's for sale. Can you tell me a little bit about it? Do you have a marketing packet on it? Uh, can you tell me something about the financials? And this is basically, I'm just regurgitating whatever Josh Sterling and Brad Tacey are telling me to say. So that's the other thing. You don't even have to know what you're supposed to know or ask, but you can lean on the people, whether that's looking that content up and just Googling what that questions, those questions should be or building relationships with people that are, are doing it. Um, so I start with their guidance, kind of asking the questions, looking at the documents and realizing man, this actually looks like it's a good investment and a good business opportunity. So then I'm like really getting serious about it, starting to run all the financials and pro formas and having meetings with Brad and having phone conversations with Josh and and just, you know, basically telling Brad, like, I want you to assess this for me because I know the numbers and I've been investing long enough to know that it's about the numbers and don't get emotionally involved. But I'm just kind of, have this strange feeling right now because I'm looking at the numbers. I'm trying not to be emotionally involved and it looks really good. Like, what am I missing? Like I'm, I'm blinded by the fact that I think that this is going to be amazing and it happens to be right where I have the charter business and all these great things are aligning. So, you know, I'm trying to bring him in from an outside perspective and, and sure enough, they're saying, yep, the numbers look good and let's check into this and let's ask about that and just kept on slowly pursuing it. And yeah, but how am I going to get a mortgage for it? And I'm talking to Josh and he's throwing out different ideas, talk to the, you know, small local banks and uh, yeah, sure enough. I mean, I don't know how detailed you want me to get into how that deal works. Probably can kind of give you the rundown of of it just because it's something that might be new for some people, but basically those guys and the relationships that I built, first of all, gave me that idea to realize, you know, whether it's the, you know, balls to take on that thing because, you know, you got a support group behind you or not being smart enough to know how big of a risk it is type of thing. It's just like, I'm going after this thing and I got people that are going to help me figure it out. So we're up there on our trip. You know, the five of us are cruising around in the boat, living life. Life's good. Having a damn good time, I might add. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I got a powerhouse in the boat with me right now that happened to know a ton about real estate investing and we happen to be driving the boat right by an opportunity that I have. So I start talking to you, Rob, Mark, Jeff, Tommy, and I start just bouncing ideas off of you. What do you guys think about it? Cause obviously I think about it. It's awesome. And that'd be amazing, but you yeah, know, I was is, no good. I was sold. I thought you yeah. should buy it right away. <laughs> right. And Jeremy's just, Jeremy's just saying, you know, buy it, buy it because it's, it is going to be awesome in one way or another, you know, not necessarily don't yeah, I was no help that way. I was, but too, yeah, then you got like invested in the trip. Jeff Rabinowitz, Tommy Desmond, you know, they're thinking like analytical about it. They're thinking outside the box on things, you know, reaching out to guys like Jeff Rabinowitz or Ron Walraven on unique deals. They'll have an awesome outside perspective where they can look at that puzzle and figure out, you know, how do you put those pieces together or what are the missing pieces or something that you're not even looking at. So then, then I was just at that point, I'm like, man, I'm getting confirmation from some of the guys that I look up to most, some of the you know most successful guys in the area, and they're all saying that this seems to be a good idea. So then it's just continuing to move forward. Um, so just to give you a kind of a quick breakdown on what this type of deal looks like, I mean, number one, if you can go listen to any of Josh Sterling's podcast episodes 
when he talks about syndication. That'll give you a really solid foundation for understanding this type of thing. And they're right on this podcast, yeah. by the way. Just go look him up. He graciously shared. And you did with you did yeah. with Brad too. And yeah. uh, I think you guys covered the same type of stuff. So both of those are awesome resources. But the great thing about commercial, um, in most cases, for most of that, us, that's going to be something like an apartment. Is it's going to be more? The bank's going to look more at the property as opposed to the individual. So, like I said. I can't show anything exciting on my tax return as far as a bank's concerned. I forget what all the rules are, but it's like I haven't really been doing this whole thing that long. There's been a lot of fluctuations. You know, I'm not that impressive uh, from a banking standpoint as far as if I want to get a, a mortgage on a single family home. You know, now it might be different. I might be able to, but I still had that mentality of like, I remember they really tightened up things. And yeah, they used to I, need two years tax return. Yeah, and I don't have a W 2. I'm like, yeah. You know, that's kind of my bad where I shouldn't even had that thought process. You shouldn't be thinking like, I can't do it. You should always be thinking, how can I do it? But I was just like, I just know that, you know, when they ask for the documents, I don't have anything too exciting to look at. Like I quit my job. Like I used to make good money and now I am <laughs> I'm a real unemployed. estate investor. And they're like, that's, you know, good for you type of thing. And I have lots of real estate. Debt. Yeah. So, but then the cool thing was that um, I started talking to a bank and started asking what the requirements are. And like Josh said, you just start start talking to a small local bank because I could talk to uh, even a small local bank in Detroit and they know Detroit and there's a lot of opportunity in Detroit, Metro Detroit area. But why do they necessarily want to take on the risk or get involved with some property that is in the Upper Peninsula, you know, an area maybe they're not familiar with that economy or whatever the case may be. Um, so I found a, I reached out to a couple of banks and I found one that was at least interested in talking about it and looking at it. And I provided, I'd gotten from the seller, um, past three tax year returns so they could see that, okay, there's, there's not a whole lot of risk involved numbers wise. It looks like these numbers make sense and there's something worth looking into here and, and pursuing. Um, and I think just timing wise, it worked out really well because at that point, whenever we went up, I forget if that was July or August, but I think during that stretch or leading up to that stretch, I was still in the office, sharing an office with Tommy Desmond yeah. and being in that heat of just like getting stuff done every day. So I'm talking to the small local bank and I'm like, yeah, my tax returns aren't too exciting to look at, but I'm just mail, I'm just emailing them pictures of fat checks. I'm like, here's a deal I did. Here's a deal I did. Here's a deal I did. I get stuff done and here's my track record, you know? So the other cool thing about a small local bank is, um, and I don't know, I might not be good on all the technical terms. Like I said, listen to the uh, Josh and Brad podcast for those. But if you're doing a... Uh, typical like a Fannie or Freddie type of loan, they're going to have certain check boxes they need to do and run through different things. And it's going to have to meet all these regulations for them to lend money on you. Where if it's a small local bank and they have like a portfolio lender where they're just saying here, we, our bank has a certain amount of funds that we need to do something with that bank can just pretty much do whatever they want to do with it. As long as all the people on that board agree that they want to do that. So, it's just me basically building that relationship. Again, it all just comes down to the relationships with those bankers and board members there and saying, here's a piece of property. You can see from the financials and the tax returns that the numbers are pretty good. Here's some financial information I can give you about myself of I have a track record of being successful in real estate. Here's some of my paydays to let you know that you know I have money coming in. And then it was just kind of up to a vote. Uh, other th- nice thing about a small local bank, depending on where you're at, especially in this type of area, I don't know how much business they get or how many big loans they do for million dollar properties. Down here, it might be more, um, you know, 
uh, not as big of a deal, you know, like a $845,000 property is not a huge deal. And I don't know. I'm just, I'm just assuming, but it's it probably, it probably there. helped yeah. that, yeah, that they don't see those size deals all the time. And at the end of the day, uh, you know, whether it's mortgage companies, banks, real estate agents, unless that deal actually goes through papers are signed and, and buy, you know, someone buys or sells something, nobody's going to make money anyway. So I think there was that, that kind of working together type of mentality, which was really great. Um, I mean, then the other thing, it was just kind of like, I kind of had what I thought the numbers would be. So like Josh and Brad would say, they'll probably lend you up to this loan to value amount and they'll probably need to hit these certain numbers. Um, like a debt service coverage ratio is something important if you start looking at apartments and whatnot and going back to the numbers and running the pro formas with Brad and, and Josh, all those looked good. We were saying, okay, we, we, we need to be within these certain standards and we're hitting those standards. So it looks like we should be okay to move forward. Uh, and then the bank ends up giving me agreeing to give me an 80% loan to value. So the, the final agreed upon sales price was 845 grand. Uh, just to keep the numbers easy, it was basically like they were giving me a mortgage for around six hundred forty-five grand, and I needed to come up with the other two hundred thousand dollars. Did you have the other two hundred thousand dollars? No. Yeah. And the other thing was the thing that I continually am trying to learn and deal with along the way is, as investors, not everybody necessarily, but but me and people I know sometimes is like you get itchy when you got a lot of cash in the bank. It's like, oh, I want to do something with this or put this to use. You know, people will lend out the money. They'll say, oh, I got a hundred grand that's sitting stagnant. I need to buy a house or I need to lend it out or something like that. So that, that was the thing that I'm still trying to learn and, and deal with is that balancing act of like, when I was with Mike and Mike, all that money I was making, I just wanted to buy, you know, I just wanted to put it into marketing. It was just like, how fast can I go? We talk about like, what's your runway? And I would just like chop that runway in half. I'm like, I don't care because the sooner I spend it, the sooner I'll get it back type of thing. So I'm a little bit, you know, like I said, a little bit reckless in that, in that way, but we prefer aggressive around here. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just aggressive because it's like, you know, and at that time I'm starting to know you a little bit better. We're talking more. You're saying do these YouTube videos and I'm just doing random stuff and trying to take massive action because I just want to get to wherever I'm going, whether that's learning a certain amount of things or doing a certain amount of deals. I just want to get there quicker. I want to be there yesterday. So, um, you know, going through all that stuff, doing a crazy amount of marketing, and almost getting reckless with it. It just means I learn those, those, all those things so much faster, you know? So where right now I might suggest to somebody to have like a small focused, specialized list, as opposed to just sending everybody in that city, a postcard, you're going to have a, you know, super terrible response rate. Well, I was just, I mean, I still had a, a focused list that made sense to mail to, but I was just like, who else can I mail this to? What other city can I mail to? And I was just trying, but then you just learn because now all of a sudden you have that data to, as feedback to, to make better decisions down the road. So it just happened faster for me because I was willing to be fail faster, more aggressive. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's nothing good from failing slow, right? Nothing so, good comes from that. Do it quicker. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I, I had money and I just been coming off a few good deals and have been super productive. Cause I'd been in the office with all you guys, but I was understanding that I'm like, I need to stop just like being so aggressive that at the end of the day, uh, if an opportunity like this arrives, I wasn't like, well, I just spent that all on marketing. So, you know, now I'm trying to be a little bit more level-headed about things and balanced out, especially because I want to start doing bigger deals and pursuing interesting things like this. So um, basically the way I structured the deal is I knew I wanted to have bring in partners um, 
and I was structuring it in a way where I presented it to the investors as if I was putting in nothing. So just saying, I need to raise 200 grand and whether one individual wants to put in that $200,000 or four people want to put in 50 grand, this is what I need. And here's, here's all the information I have about it. Here's all the consultation that I got from Brad on these numbers that I had him scrub and come up with this on his own. So it's an unbiased third party. You know, we're, I'm doing everything I can to just show you that why I believe this makes sense. Every risk or every investment involves risk, but you now I was just trying to do everything right. And, um, I was able to find those investors and, uh, it was really cool. Just, just the conversations I had from that, because a lot of people thought it was interesting. And there was people that I got really good feedback that didn't participate in the deal. And it was cool because it was, um, some of the people that didn't participate, they're like, that's really cool and interesting. And I think it is a good investment, but I'm not going to do it because they had such a strong focus on their one thing. And I'm like, that's why you're successful because it is a good investment, but you know, like you have your eye on the prize. And so that was just kind of an interesting thing because where sometimes I got the uh, shiny object syndrome and I like, I'm interested in a lot of different things, but I was funny, like just talking to some of the people and seeing that, um, you know, instead of going wider, sometimes if you can go deeper on some things, if, if your, if your vision of success or your goal is to hit some next level or make some certain amount of money, that that's, that's a very important thing where, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of all over the place sometimes cause I just do whatever's interesting to me, but that's just my personality. That's just what fits for me. You know, like Jeff Rabinowitz, he'll do something because it interests him versus trying to do a specific amount of deals, a certain way time after time. So it depends if you're trying to build that process where you're trying to nail that process and then scale it up versus, you know, what it's whatever fits best for you. You bring up a good point. It's hard to balance that being open to opportunity and right. staying on the path, right? For like, sure. How do you manage that? Everybody does it a little differently. Yeah. So. Yeah. It goes one spec those things of if you ask a bunch of different people, you get a bunch of different opinions about it. So um, there's always room for improvement, but I think if you can surround yourself with people that you like the way they do things, even if it's not going to be the way you do that, that positive influence is going to rub off you in one way or another. If I'm hanging out with you, I'm just going to work harder than if I wasn't hanging out with you just because, well, you're busy working hard and I like the results that you're getting. So I want to work hard. Whereas if I'm just sitting around with somebody that doesn't want to work and they just want to sit around and drink beer, that's okay. Sometimes too, you know, you got to find that balance between work and play. But at the same time, if I'm sitting with that person, I'm just not going to be as productive as if I'm sitting with somebody that's just grinding and out and being super uh, uh, productive. So you did raise the money though, right? Correct. Yep. Yep. So you got, did you have to put in any of your own money or? Um, I, I did put in money. Uh, it was kind of, you don't have to share the exact amount. Yeah, no, just, I, yeah. Uh, I did put a good chunk of money in. Part of that was good just because, uh, like, you know, just the feedback that I got from people is like, people want to see that you're, you have some skin in the game. So I'm like, yeah, that's understandable. Uh, even if I don't have to put money in, I probably should put some money in to show people that I'm, I'm you know, I'm just as committed or concerned about the results of this investment and even more so than you, not only on a personal level, but because I actually have that skin in the game. And, um, it was pretty cool because we were trying to be conservative with all our estimates as far as what we needed just for closing and things like that. And, and that's another good thing to just do is always kind of like 
under promise over deliver and, and we ended up having more money than we needed to which just meant that we just started the business with more money in the checking account than we expected to and having that little bit more of a cushion so you know with a new venture it's nice especially when you involve with partners and involve other people's money is to just you know it's 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 good if if you're have a higher risk tolerance like myself what you do with your own money is it's your deal but when you got other people and other people's money involved then you know set everybody up for success and and um try to try to over uh over deliver on on what you did try to bring that value more than they're expecting how long did it take you to buy this resort from the time you first noticed it mm-hmm. till the time you closed yeah it was probably um what would that have been it was about a 7 month time frame not that it needed to take that long partially just because i was I was not like jumping headfirst into it because I still didn't, I thought it was a good investment. It seemed like it was a good investment, but I didn't know. So it wasn't like I was just on my own making all these decisions. There was a lot of like conversations with people, getting feedback, you know, getting that um, boost of confidence from like all you guys that came up that went out fishing and, and the guys like Josh and Brad that own the apartments and have kind of been through that process. Um, so it was more of like, I said that I was interested in it, started looking at some of the stuff. It seemed to be a good idea. I started having the conversations about how do I pursue something like this. Started talking to the banks, and then end with it just being, uh, you know, not in my backyard. Scheduling things around. Well, when am I going to be in that area? And when can I meet with the banker? And when can we do a walkthrough? And when can we meet with the owner? Um, so I was like, I kind of reached out in June as the summer was coming to an end. Got to look at the financials and review everything. Start having conversations with the bank in the fall. Um, holidays come around like Thanksgiving and and Christmas and I'm getting confirmations left and right about uh, that. It does seem to be a good thing. And then we closed end of January. And now you own a resort. Yep. Yeah. We have 10 cabins, one of which is a house. So you got like a vacation house and nine cottages, uh, 10 RV spots with electric sewer and water hookup and five rental boats, which is two pontoon boats and, three aluminum fishing boats, and then we have the charter there too. So those two businesses feed each other. If you're going fishing and you need a place to stay, stay at the resort. If you're at the resort and you want to go out fishing, hop on the charter. So that was another thing that just kind of was an added bonus that uh, made sense in that particular unique situation. Highly, highly recommended. And that leads us up to the big reveal. We're going to make this an annual Renegade Detroit investor trip. I had such a good time last year with just a few friends. Didn't even bring the wives. It was just like a guy's get together, right? Fortunately, we went and bought some stuff on Mackinac Island for the wives and that panned out. But there's no way we could do year two without including the family, right? Right. So I reached out to Jeff earlier this year because... First, I want to support Jeff. Second, it was literally the best time I've had in a long time, and it's so gorgeous up there. Why don't we have RDI trips? So we're doing one. We're doing an RDI trip. I'm going to try and remember the dates here. i got to pull up the dates so I do this right. But first, let me – how do you want people to reach out for the Renegade dates? How do you want them? Do you want them to go to your website? Do you want them to email you? Or how do you want them to do it, Jeff? Yeah, so you can go to – the website, uh, you'll see the email address, contact information down at the bottom. You can shoot me an email if you have questions about 
the event. Um, also, the resort page, there's a Facebook page. You can message through there as well. Um, but the messaging will be probably the easiest. Um, I'm admittedly bad at emails and phone calls sometimes. So if you can email that message, I know that I'll have it and it'll be there where sometimes I miss phone calls just because I get so many emails and phone calls from random things. And most of them are usually like, you know, solicitations or whatever. So sometimes the helpful messages sometimes get lost in the mix. Um, so I think that's probably the easiest way. Just send an email over because I have a separate email address for the resort. It'll be that I know it's specifically for folks that are looking to come up and, um, book cabins and, and do trips. I mean, I've been so lucky between friends, family, and RDI members. There's been already a huge amount of uh, support. We got your back, bro. Yeah. And uh, I told I mean, you if you bought it, yeah. I would make sure people, at least some people came. So. Yeah. I got people coming up all all different times throughout the summer and then later in the year too. Um, I'm lucky with this one. It was another situation where it was a turnkey operation where pretty much all these cabins are booked through kind of like that third week of August. So people that just came up to the same cabins year after year um, kind of claim them each year. So we're doing it over Labor Day weekend where I'm going to just basically try to have the resort taken over by all the renegade Detroit investors. Um, and just a disclaimer, depending on when this comes out, um, it's it's going to fill up. I know that. I don't know how quickly it's going to fill up. So I apologize for people that want to come up and maybe they – there's an, no longer a cabin available, but we're going to find a spot for you. It's a big property. I mean, run eight acres. Um, so whether the cabins are full and you want to bring up an RV or whether you want to bring a tent. Um, I also have reached out to other local um, resorts in the area. Uh, there's a couple of the resorts. There's a hotel in the area. So we're going to have a party. We're going to be having a good time. I mean, at the end of the day, the cabin or the hotel room, that's just where you're going to sleep. But we're going to be partying. We're going to have a bonfire been talking to someone i think we're going to be doing a pig roast out there we are we're going to be doing you know fishing boating like i said i got the rental boats so we'll probably get a whole group of people that if you want to go out to like a sandbar area and just party out on the beach and in the water there's going to be a lot of different activities going on not to mention the great conversations that are going to be had just like anytime all of us investors get together um, but it's also going to be fun just to get your uh, significant others involved or or bring the kids up it's a great place to be you know you it's going to be the end of summer. Water's going to be warm. We're going to have a long weekend for anybody that uh, just wants to get away with the family. So, um, I got the yeah, dates right here. So, these are the official RDI dates. I encourage you, if you can't make it, book anyway. And even if the cabins fill up, he will find a place for you. We want you to come. Unfortunately, his first resort only has 10 cabins. His next resort will have a hundred and we'll be able to have everybody there, but we will definitely get you taken care of. Jeff will get you taken care of. So the official RDI dates, you can come before and stay longer, obviously is August 31st through September 3rd. All right. We're not sure what night we're doing the pig roast on yet. Yeah, we'll keep everybody posted as we plan more fun things within this yeah. event so that if you can only make it up for part of it, we'll let you know what's happening when so that you can uh, make sure that you're there for whatever fun you want to be a part of. Yep. So, And there's definitely going to be a fish fry, too. I'll make sure that a fish fry happens. Um, if you want to go fishing, I am taking a charter out with some friends. They have a charter. Let him know if you want to do charter because we don't want you to miss out on that opportunity. Um, I've booked two full days that I'm going to share with some friends too. 
So there are other, but he also has other charter friends. Don't be myopic about this. We're going up there to have a good time. If you want to go charter and for some reason they're booked up, he will get you hooked up. He also has little boats there to rent. Like you could just take out and go fishing. And I plan on doing that because I know I'm way more insane than everybody else. I'm not Greg insane, but I'm like as close as you can be to Greg and yeah. still be active in real estate. And we have a huge dock too. So I know there's a lot of uh, RDI members that have their own boats. Yep. So we have like 16 different boat slips. Um, you know, a lot of them are used for different things, but uh, my point is that if you want to come up, even if you're not able to stay at the resort, but you want to come up and you want to bring your boat or you're staying at a different resort, we're going to have a spot for you, get everybody taken care of so you can take advantage of the area because it's right on Lake Huron. It's within a chain of islands where it's like protected channels and bays. So you feel like you're on a small inland lake, but there's just endless amounts of water to enjoy boating, skiing, tubing, fishing, so whatever you want to do. Yeah. And we're going to do Mackinac Island again. We don't know what day. We're going to go do some sightseeing. We don't know. What I'm saying is it's going to be good fun. We're going to have a good time no matter what you want to do. Even if you just want to hang around the fire and party, we're going to have a good time. The most enjoyable write-off you'll ever have, as yeah, Tommy exactly. Deckman said. And it is a write-off, and I'm going to be there. The wife's going to be there. You can bring your family. You can bring your children. Yes, we are going to party, but there'll be plenty of wholesome family things to do. And we don't party stupid. Yes, we party hard, but it's like the fun party hard, not like the stupid, crazy party hard where you can't have your family around. So, again, that is going to be August 31st through September 3rd, okay? And let me give you all the information so you can reach out to Jeff, well, assuming it pulls up on my Evernote. Yeah, course. just another cool thing about like the resort and things that I've been learning as I try to build these processes is that I think the old model was that you always had to have the owner living on site, where now you have things where people are switching their their idea of how they go on these vacations. Um, like when you guys came up, you did it through like VRBO.com or booking.com or Airbnb. Yeah. Um, Charlie Gao, he's been an awesome resource for this. He does, he's got properties. Uh, I think he's in Grand Rapids area now, but um, he's been super helpful. So you can listen to different podcasts that he's done. He's done as well um, because there are so many resources out there now. Um, don't feel like you're ever limited to something because it's not in your area or it's a new type of investment. I mean, I, th I know there's some people doing some pretty interesting things with short-term rentals and Airbnb, and, and it's all kind of above beyond me at this point, but I'm, I'm starting to learn. So that's another opportunity that people might want to start looking at that's a little bit um, out of the, uh, you know, thinking outside the box on things, I guess. I'm going to try and get somebody on the podcast for that. I haven't found somebody yet that I trust. All right, I got the websites. All right, first... IVR Igloo Victor Romeo 906.com. That is for the resort. Okay. Yeah, I just, uh, that's the shortest one. That's why I included it. It stands for Island View Resort. Yep. So easy to remember IVR906.com. All right. And you can find us on Facebook as well. Easy. And if you just want to do the charter thing, islandchartersmi.com. Um, you can also contact him through his Facebook fa page at facebook.com forward slash Jest Lee, J-E-S-T-L-I-E, Properties, LLC, and then backcountryhunters.org. We haven't got to that part yet. I just included that really quick because it doesn't matter what your thing is that's important to you. Uh, 
I think what's interesting, there's a lot of people that are really passionate about real estate. I'm not necessarily passionate about real estate. Like my buddy, Tony, he sold that property or that you listed for him for like top dollar. And he loves working on the houses and that's great for him. Where I don't like swinging the hammer just because yeah. I'm not good at it. So realize that real estate can be something that you don't have to be passionate about it, but realize that it's a great vehicle to, uh, to open doors to different things to you. Like backcountryhunters.org. If you check that out, it's cool because it's a nonprofit organization with hunter, hunters and fishermen that just focus on public land and access to waters and you know, it's whether that's public parks for bike rides or kids baseball diamonds. Um, it's just cool because we talk about doing all these fun things in places that we've gone. If you can find something that you're really passionate about, realize that what you're doing is going to be a lot more important to you. So whether that is like some big crazy goal like you have with your farm or getting involved in, in different organizations, backcountry and hunters and anglers just happens to be the one that I'm passionate about and really involved in. Whatever your thing is, realize that it might be a little bit harder if you have that typical nine to five and you're stuck to the timeline of working for someone else versus opening up opportunities to have that flexibility in your life to, you know, be involved in organizations or part of things that are important to you. And you should absolutely do it. It's good. Go check it out. And also if you've checked out the Meat Eater podcast, you should do that. Isn't your cousin? Yeah. Being it, right now? Pretty or crazy. So- yeah. My cousin's... uh so Meat Eater Podcast, just for people that like hunting and fishing, uh, the reason Meat Eater Podcast has become so popular, I think, is because um, there's a big movement of people just wanting to know where their food came from, wanting to eat clean. Um, so Be closer to your food, too. Yeah, and I understand yeah, it. It's if, a relationship. If you're a, if you're a vegetarian or a vegan, that's, that's fine. But if you're someone that likes to eat meat, you probably want to know where it comes from. So it's just a, he does a really good job of putting an interesting perspective on things. You don't need to like to hunt and fish, that's okay. But we can all appreciate, you know, clean air, clean water, uh, clean meat, like providing for our family and, and knowing where things come from as opposed to, you know, we, before a lot of these different shows and documentaries and things came out, we didn't really understand maybe the hazards of processed food and all that stuff. So I could uh, ramble on about all that stuff too, but um, like there's a thing coming up for people that are interested in this type of thing. It's the land and water conservation fund is due to expire at the end of September. Um, that's just money that's used from oil royalties. Look into it. If it's something that you're interested in, like I said, real estate just opens these doors and it's all about relationships as far as having success, whether that's in real estate or other things that you want to do. Um, like Jeremy and I went duck hunting with Ryan. That was just something that we were interested in doing. And we had a relationship with Ryan and he opened that door to us. So it's badass too. Yeah. Just try to help each other out, build those relationships, whether that's something for fun or business uh, you know, have those goals set in place, but always just enjoy the ride along the way. Yeah. You're my duck mentor. That last one, you're <laughs> like, so the first duck I shot is so embarrassing. We were, I was maybe a little too comfortable in that chair that first time we went out. Well, it's hard when you're sitting there quiet, not doing anything for a long time. So I was sat in the chair and we're kind of sinking in the mud in the reeds waiting. And then it just happened so fast. And I went to get out of my chair and I realized I couldn't. So I think Jeff shot it and then they let me shoot it on the water. So like, eh, like the first one, just like, (laughs) damn, I lost my opportunity. So the next time we went out though, it was like, perfect. You saw it coming in. You're like, Jeremy, look up. Like, okay. He's like, okay, put your gun up. All right. It's coming in. 
all right, when it comes in just before he hits the wire, he's like, all right, shoot. It was a boom. And I just nailed it that time. So yeah, you're my duck mentor. I appreciate it. Yeah. Just build relationships with interesting people and go out and do interesting things. And then I barbecued that duck, which was amazing. And then I realized how little meat there is on a duck. We got to shoot more next time. They're so delicious, but so small. For sure. It was absolutely fantastic experience. Do come, come to the renegade. Even if you can only come for one day, over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to nail it down with Jeff on exactly when we're doing things. I don't want to nail it down so tight that we can't just be spontaneous and fun. But yeah, I it's your know, vacation. Go up there and do what you want to do. Exactly. But I do know some of you are looking for a particular experience. Like I'm sure the night we have the pig roast is going to be of importance to everybody, right? right? So we're going to nail that down. But even if his cabins aren't full, still contact or full, contact them. We will figure this shit out. We want you there until he buys his next resort with a hundred cabins. This is how we're going to have to do it. And it's absolutely gorgeous. And you should come out and check it out. We're going to have a good time. So of course we're going to be partying, fishing, yeah, eating food, talking gonna, shop, all just that an stuff. Easy way to continue to build relationships and learn a lot of great things. I mean, all the people that we've become friends with just in this short time, I didn't know any of these people two years ago. I looked up to them or I, I admired them or had heard about them, but any of the people that we've mentioned today, it's just like try to add value to them because it uh, doesn't matter how much you give. You'll end up getting a lot more in return. And and that's kind of just where that success comes from. And I've been lucky enough to learn from so many people. So if there's something that you need help with or have questions along the way, easiest get a, way to get a hold of me is probably just through Facebook Messenger. Um, but I'm sure Jeremy will provide my contact information as far as email and phone number and whatnot. But um, I've, I've gotten to be parts and done all the pieces of all these types of, you know, whether it's buying rentals, flipping houses, wholesaling. So if you're kind of teetering on the cusp or you, you want to pursue something, but you're missing that certain part. I mean, I have the automated CRM and the, the VAs and I have all the stuff that might take a lot of overhead. Um, so if you ever have any questions, I'm not looking to, you don't have to give me half your deal or anything like that. I'm just looking to help people out. Cause I've gotten an immense amount of help from, everybody within the RDI family. So if there's any way that I can point you in the right direction, I might not have all the answers for you, but I probably know someone that does. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about that you haven't talked about? This is your opportunity. It could be anything. I'll make sure to plug all your contact info and websites one more time, but this is kind of like, I appreciate you coming on yeah. and sharing. So if there's any ask or anything that you want to put out there, now's the time. It could be anything. I don't care. I appreciate you sitting down with me and going through all this. Yeah, no, this is amazing. I mean, it's kind of funny when I was thinking about doing this. Um, I pretty much would have just liked, I mean, I could do a whole podcast episode just talking about different awesome people that you and I know that we've met through Renegade Detroit Investors and just thanking them and telling amazing stories about the things that they've done. But there's been so much of that over just these past two years that, like I said, you could do a whole episode about it. But um so just a big thank you to everybody and realize that I know it's intimidating. Some of these uh, characters, including Jeremy, can be intimidating, but I mean, everybody is super helpful. If if you're appreciative and you implement the things that they tell you, if there's any way that you can do anything to make these people money, whether that's just referring a listing to Jeremy or finding a good deal that maybe isn't the right fit for you, but you're handing it off to someone else, I always like to provide as much value as I can because now all these all-stars of Metro Detroit that are investors that I can learn from, 
when the phone rings and they see me on the other line, they're looking to answer the phone and help me out because they know that I'm trying to do something for their benefit too. So just think about it that way as far as what kind of deposits can you make and whether that's financially a deal or referral or just you know some elbow grease, whatever it might be. Just kind of think in that mentality as far as how many people can you help because two years is a short time. It takes a long time to wake, work your way up a corporate ladder. I mean, within a year, I was doing a bunch of deals kind of on my own just from stuff that I'd learned and relationships I've built. So I guess that's all I'd say is just thank you to all the RDI community out there that's continued to help me throughout the way. And for all you guys looking to get started or take it to the next level, start thinking as in uh, how many people can you help or relationships can you build that will be uh, ongoing value to you and them over the next 10, 20, 30 years and beyond that. Well, you're a great example of what to do. Also, if you ever do fire up your videos again, I'm looking to put more content on Renegade Detroit. So uh, I trust you. So if you ever decide to do that again, I'll put it on there, get you more exposure. I think that would be great. It was fun when you were doing that. For sure. Yeah. I think like you said, it's once you kind of step away from some of that media content that you're putting out there, you kind of come across different, unique, interesting things that maybe uh, might be helpful to, to some people. So maybe I'll figure out some of the little bit more unique deals that I've done and uh, put them out there that might be helpful to someone. And if you got one, I'll put it out. It'll be fun to do. I like doing this kind of thing. All right, folks, don't worry. You don't need a pen. I'm going to put all this in the notes, but I can't just leave you hanging, right? So you can reach out to him by email, jeff at cash4mi for michiganhome.com. Jeff at cash4mihome.com. You can call or text 248-733-5453, 248-733-5453. Go to IVR906.com. That's for the actual resort. IslandChartersMI.com for the charters. And if you're calling for the RDI trip or reaching out for the RDI trip, you can just let him know at one or the other. He will figure it out. So uh, then you can hit him up on Facebook.com forward slash JustLee, J-E-S-T-L-I, properties llc and of course hunting and fishing if you're interested in that stuff at the end backcountryhunters.org and i guess i'll plug the meat eaters podcast because steve ranella is such a good storyteller that you should listen anyway i want to thank jeff for his time i really appreciate it i'm really looking forward to the trip again i know you're going to kill it i finally get to see the resort now that it's yours like i'd right. see it when it wasn't yeah and now i get to see it when it's yours that's really exciting um, we are going to do some podcasts up there too. Like we're keeping it open. We don't know exactly what we're going to do. This is going to be the part where we're just going to kind of see what happens. So there'll be some good content to come out of that. If you can come do, if you can't this year, hold those dates. We're going to do something like that every year. I'm going to try and nail it down to time so you can just come to expect it. We can support Jeff, get to see the beautiful upper peninsula of Michigan and have a great time and make it a write off. I don't know what else you need for that. So thank you, Jeff. Really appreciate your time and everything you've done for me. All right, folks, I do want to wrap up this podcast. If you haven't checked out the new website yet, go to renegadedetroit.com. We had a big launch party. I haven't been great about the podcast. I'm getting it fired back up. Had to pull away for a little while. Took too much business, if you can believe that. Um, but go check it out, renegadedetroit.com. There's thousands of hours of podcasts, video, 
blogs. We're going to be constantly trying to put up new content from people who are actually doing shit in this area. You know, that way you don't have to worry about, wait a second, is this person real or not? At least the stuff I will put up is real. If you ever want to attend any of the local meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash renegade Detroit investors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit investment club. If you're curious about me, you can hit me up on Twitter at Jeremy Burgess. Go to youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit wholesalers. And of course, you can listen to this podcast on any app you choose. And as I wrap this up, I do want to take a moment to encourage you to take the steps you need to become financially independent. I know you haven't heard this in like six months, but I mean it. I know there are a lot of distractions, mistakes, poisonous people, bad habits. Maybe you got your ass kicked. Maybe you made some bad decisions, right? It all happens, but I want you to pick something. And stick with it. Do something a little bit every day that gets you a touch closer to your goals, even if it's one step. And I do want to thank you for listening. I do really appreciate your attention. Love you guys. And until the next podcast, crush it.